with KNBC, and I'm talking with Doug Clifford today. Thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure, Will. All right. Well, you have, have done a lot of different projects over the years musically, and I was wondering, um, uh, before we get to, to talking about the, the new record, if you could um, uh, talk about all, all the different things you've been involved with uh, in, in the course of your career. Oh, man. Uh, well, of course, Creedence Clearwater Revival was uh, my... Uh, uh, lifelong uh, playing. That's still, I mean, that's still in effect. They're still playing uh, the our uh, records on on the radio. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd have to say definitely that one. Uh, then I had a production company with Stu Cook, and I produced a, quite a few uh, artists. And most of the time, I would play drums on the the, the projects that I was uh, producing. Uh, because I know exactly what this drummer would would do in those spots, and I know exactly what I would say to do as a producer. So right. I can't argue with myself. Um, I've done it a couple of times, but uh, I lost, uh, and I won, and I won, and I lost. So what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Tom, I did uh, three albums with him, produced two of them, uh, toured with uh, uh, two of those uh, albums. Uh, just to get the, the ball rolling. Uh, Don Harrison Band, we did Cook and I did two, uh, two albums for Atlantic Records for that project. Uh, uh, then a few things with my old buddy Steve Miller. Uh, I just uh, talked to him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was great catching up huh. with him. And, uh, and then uh, I, I, I put together Neighbors for Defensible Space, which is a non musical project. It's a uh, about fire and managing uh, fuels in here here in the basin, and that program uh, was the uh, number one program in the nation, hmm. so deemed by the Department of Agriculture. There was some guys from Washington, D.C. up here that get the skin from me, and uh, uh, I would take them around and tell them what we were doing, involved the university's biology department, and, of course, the North Lake Tahoe Fire Protection District uh, uh, and uh, all the great uh, people there, and so I did that one, and uh, and then I, you know, I, I recorded a lot of um, bands that I was trying to get deals for, and uh, and I was the writer on on all of those songs, uh, or co-writer or co-writer. So that's where Magic Window comes from. It was uh, going to be a, a project to try and get a, a record deal for me. Mm-hmm. as a singer-songwriter and uh, it, it was happening and one of the, the biggest producers of, of, of that era in the mid, mid-80s uh, Richard Perry uh, said okay I like what you got I'm going to sign you and we're going to sign you next week and next week came and he checked himself into uh, rehab and sold his company <laughs> Huh. I was holding this album, you know, I thought, you like it, I love it, but I've got personal problems. Okay, so I put it away and um, kind of forgot about it, and uh, 
was doing a little tidying up in my studio here uh, a year or so ago and uh, found a, a quarter-inch tape reel, and, and that's a quarter-inch tape is usually the finished master tape. It's not the multi-track tape. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, I've I recorded a lot of those things, and I, I know I have a, a bunch of those reels around of all of those recordings. So uh, I went downstairs to my garage in a nice locker, and it was a great place to store tape in a, a nice, dry, uh, cool uh, temperature spot. And uh, so I, I had stored them well, and uh, there <laughs> was a magic window. Well, I, I remember this one now. So I had uh, uh, Tom Gordon, the local uh, uh, University music uh, and recording uh, uh, instructor, friend of mine, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we. There's a process we call baking. You bake it at a low temperature and uh, does things to the tape. Uh, kind of loosens it up. So if you put it on a on a machine, it won't uh, blow up into a million pieces. And right. all 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 of the reels came out. And uh, were you know flawlessly uh, uh, stored. So uh, that now now I want to put the thing out because it's probably the best uh, music project I've ever done in my life because I wasn't just drumming. I was writing and or co-writing. I was singing on every track. Right. Uh, that was a little thing I had to work the hardest on. Uh, I was producing, uh, so I was doing a lot of. A lot of things and uh, wearing a lot of hats, and, and uh, the result was was terrific. So I, I definitely wanted to share that with the world and with Freedom's fans and or just music fans, uh, where they may be. And that's uh, what what brings me to to talking to you. And now that I found it, now that I found it, you know, there were some uh, things I wanted to ch- to change or correct or improve. Uh, not drastically, but enough to where, you know, I needed uh, uh, Russell DeShield, who was the lead guitar player on on the record, was also the lead guitarist on the record, hmm. an old friend of mine. And uh, so since he had been the original engineer and since he had the skills that uh, everything that I had on my list, I knew he, he could do uh, and, and, and do well. I asked him if he wanted to be co-producer on it. So now uh, I, I'm a, a co-producer with uh, Russell DeShiel on it. And it's great uh, having my old buddy to work with. He's a very uh, good uh, technical uh, guy and a terrific musician, needless to say, if you listen to the guitar work on the record. Right. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're excited. It's out. You know, you can, you can uh, listen to it. You can buy it. You can, you know, they're... they're there are places to go. DougCosmoClifford.com uh, is my, my site. So if you're curious about listening to it out there in Radio Land, uh, that's a place to go and have a listen and uh, uh, tell me what you think. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it it sounds great. It sounds like a like a time capsule from from the '80s. You know, it was '85 when uh, when you recorded that. Is that correct? 85, 86, yeah, okay. right, right around in that time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, the, the, um, the, the title track on the album is called uh, Magic Window, and it's a fir- the first song on there. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that song. Yeah, uh, it's, it's 
kind of it's a cool rocker, it's, but uh, you know it's at a, at a, it's, it's not a, a fast tempo, but it's it's, it's an intense groove. Uh, nice solid uh, track. Chris Silver from Santana, uh, formerly of Santana, uh, playing bass with me. He's from my hometown, so you know, the, the three of us knew knew each other fairly well and. Uh, uh, but uh, the, the the song Magic Windows about my where my music studio was. I had a full recording studio in my house in Ancline Village, mm-hmm. and we were a thousand feet above the lake. So we had and on the top of a little little hill there, and uh, you could the view was just to die for, you know. So you come in there and um, want to get settled in to do, do some writing, uh, you know, whatever, or just working on the on the music of it, uh, look out to the magic window and you see 26 miles of Alpine Lake, the beautiful Lake Tahoe up there amongst the trees. And, you know, it was just a, a real, real cool place to, 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 to be and to get creative. Right. Well, I, uh, another song on the album is called Born on the South Side. And listening to it, it, it sounds like it's uh, autobiographical. Is that a uh, song from, from your perspective? Uh, you know, I get that question uh, about that song every time. And it's yes and no. It's not accurate, uh, uh, by, you know, uh, biographical, but uh, it, it, it's... It, let's put it this way: It's, it's kind of a uh, semi-fiction, but uh, the, 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 the motives and the the, uh, the, the directions and, and uh, the, the, the dream part of it's all true. Mm. So, kind of a composite of, of, of stories. Yeah, yeah, and, and I didn't want to make it exactly exactly because then, then you know then you're, you're changing the. Uh, changing the playing field, and uh, I had that's the only creative sounding song that I had on the record. I did it on purpose just to kind of say, "Hey, this is where I came from. I, this is the kind of grooves I, I, I was playing when I was in Creedence Clearwater Revival, and, right. and Creedence Clearwater Revisited as well with, uh, after after Revival." Mm-hmm. And so you know, that that's what I, you know, what I cut my teeth on. But I I can write songs and play other other grooves, and that's what I've done uh, with the, the project. Right, right. Yeah, you could you could hear different influences on the on the album, and and I was I was listening to the to the album and listening to some of the earlier CCR stuff. Um, I, I'm re- really interested in uh, what your influences were growing up, um, what musical influences for you. Well, growing up, uh, you know, we started the band when we were 13 years of age. So, wow. uh, radio was and rock and roll was was just being born, actually, uh, and then, you know, so I was going through all of that. And, and uh, uh, so, I like the R and B stuff. I like Little Richard, Fat Stomach, James Brown, Howlin' Wolf, uh, you know, Huey Piano Smith, and just so many great. Uh, uh, black artists uh, uh, in, at the time, and, and the, the, they had bands, and their horns were very popular in rock music back then because it had, it had taken the step from blues and jazz and uh, to make rock and roll. It's an American uh, phenomenon, mm-hmm. and so the, some of these great bands were were all studio guys from New Orleans, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the artists used the same band 
in the studio because that's what what these guys did. They worked in the studio and made records uh, for guys. So you can you got a lot of a lot of horns. I I I was buying records, loved rock and roll, but I and wanted to play something, and I didn't know what that was. So I thought, well, I'll play sax because back then. The saxophone was the like the lead instrument, not mm. the guitar. Right. And uh, all, most, the, the, most all of the solos that came out, out, of, out of the fledgling rock and roll were saxophone solos. And so I thought, yeah, that's what I'll do. Boy, I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with sax, but uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't have been playing in, in, uh, in, in Creedence uh, for sure because. Uh, we needed a drummer, and uh, I said, um, and, well, I saw the great Gene Krupa on television, and that's what changed my mind. He's a big band drummer, but hmm. he, uh, he he brought drums uh, to the forefront in, in, back in, in the big band days, mm-hmm. uh, big band music, Benny Goodman and, and all those cats. Uh, uh, they, you know, they, the drummer was just... Just stay back there and keep time. You know, don't put any personality into it or anything else. Well, Gene right. did all that, and uh, he had movie star looks, black greasy hair. You know, he was he was cool, yes, as, right. as we used to say. And you know, and I like I like the way he looked. I like the way he he, he took command of of the drums, and uh, so he the drum drums actually came out and moved to the middle. Uh, of, of the band and uh, created a different focus and, and it made it made it punchier too it made it the, the, the big band music a, a little little more uh, edgy if you will so he was a great one and uh, I, I once I saw him uh, on, on a television special I said that's it but I want to play rock and roll not big. so uh, yeah, this is the the 40th anniversary for uh, Cosmos Factory for, for, for CCR uh, it came out in 1970 and um I was listening to it. Uh, the uh, 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 it's the 50th. 50. Um, you're right. I'm sorry. I, the 50th anniversary. I I, I spoke, misspoke. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I was listening to it and and, and uh, recently and just really um, interested in some of the songs that aren't the sort of what you think about first when you think about CCR. Um, there's a lot of R and B and blues and Motown influences in there. Uh, like before you accuse me, ramble, tamble, obviously grapevine was, you know, was a big hit. Um, Ubi doobie, but, um, has like, there's like a rockabilly thing going in there. Um, I'd really like to hear about, um, you talked a little bit about your influences, but, uh, I was kind of interested in, in, um, uh, you know, kind of what was, what was the band listening to and what were you guys, um, into at the time and, you know, kind of what were you, what, what, what were you, um, uh, listening to that, that influenced all that stuff? Well, it was, you know, for, before we made it, we were a, a, a bar band, you know, like that's the way you did it in those days. We played six nights a week, five sets a night. So <laughs> right. you get in shape doing that. And, uh, um, so we were playing hit records of some other people's hits from the top 40. Uh, both, and also from the blues charts, uh, we, that's where the music we were playing. So all those cover songs were all songs that we had uh, and ourselves had played uh, in the bars. So it was kind of a tip of the hat to all those uh, great artists and the great music that they made, kind of saying, "Hey, you know, we cut our teeth on what you guys were doing, and thanks a lot." So here, here you go. 
also, you know, when you, you put out three albums in one year, material gets gets a little thin. So it also filled some voids there, uh, took some pressure off of John Furby to you know to uh, to do do covers. There are like six covers on that that album. I think pretty close, five or six, uh-huh. and. Uh, you know, there, it was all stuff that we had we had enjoyed ourselves and, and enjoyed playing, and part of our learning uh, uh, process, if you will, uh, for our arsenal of, of, of music. And uh, right. uh, it was uh, uh, our, our, our our pleasure and our honor to do, do show a little tribute to to our our uh, heroes. Right. It's really amazing how much music you guys put out in such a short period of time. You're, you're recording three albums in a year in, in that time period. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's right. That's crazy. Yeah, because it was like five hours, in, five hours, five albums in two years. But the, well, we would have probably done three. But Cosmos Factory was number one, and it stayed at top uh, number one for I think nine weeks. Huh. So it, it it had a longer shelf life <laughs> than, than any other uh, album we did. So, uh, it, it, uh, but still, five albums in two years—that's <laughs> a lot of music. That is a lot of music. You know, it seems like you know bands today record an album and tour on it for a year or so. You know, a year, year and a half before they get back yeah. in the studio. That's a that's yeah. incredible. All right. Well, uh, what what projects? And obviously, you know, we got the COVID shutdown, and you know, live music is shut down indefinitely. Um, but uh, and you're, you're promoting this album. But um, do you have other things uh, coming up in the in the future? Other projects that you're working on? Yeah. Uh, when I found uh, the, 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 those ten reels, uh, I have uh, uh, other other bands with uh, other uh, players in it. Uh, and uh, the way it works is it's a, it's a publishing thing because all the songs that I that I record were all songs that I was a writer or co-writer on. Mm-hmm. And when I co-write with someone, I I only co-write with one other person. I don't I don't like you know, songs by committee. So uh, guys would say, I would like to write with you. And I said, well, what do you what do you got? I mean, send me some. Some, some riffs that you might have that I, I might be interested in. But he said, well, I, I, okay, but, you know, I've got uh, these other guys that I'm uh, working with. So I only work with one, one person at a time. And the reason for that is that I found is that when there's more than, than two guys, then you have people that start looking at what they brought to the song or what they, they did. And they said, well, I should get a bigger piece of the action because I wrote two lines more than this guy. Wait a minute. You're assuming that it's going to sell a million records and there's going to be serious, serious money there. Let's, let's fo- focus on the art of, of what's, what's happening. So it's a lot easier to to do it uh, with just one other guy, and usually the way it works is usually I'm, I'm the lyricist, and uh, but I've also written songs by myself. There are two songs, maybe three songs on Magic Window that I I didn't co-write. I wrote all the the whole the whole kit and caboodle, and uh, so uh, you know it's I like to keep 
keep things workable and not too complicated. And but usually when somebody comes in, it's they they have a guitar. They're usually guitar players. There are more of the guitar players around than anybody else. And they'll have a little jam, and we'll hear something. I say, let's stop and notate that. And you should be Sony cassettes. You you put the little cassette player on the floor and and uh, put it find a place where it picks up the little microphone picks up all the instruments so you you have the save the idea mm-hmm. the musical idea that you have when when you first uh, said yeah I think we have something here so you catch that catch it at the at the moment that it, that it happened at that moment of, of excitement and and, uh, and and the possibilities are, are endless so you want to capture that. Once you have that, then uh, at the end of the session, uh, you know you, you figure out which one you want to want to start uh, to create into a song, and then once you've done that, then you go into the big studio and you were, you you get an arrangement on it. Usually, you have that before, but you, you get to get your arrangement, play it a, a couple of times. Uh, you know where 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 you, you think you haven't left anything out, and and uh, and and it's would be good enough to show a, a record company, uh, A and R man. So that's that's how I do it, and that's why I've got all these songs that that'll be released. So I've got I've got an album that's worth of stuff with Bob Whitlock as as a lead singer. He's Derek uh, and the Dominoes, and he played on Layla. That's in plan. Uh, the piano with Eric Clapton, and so he and I were the writers in that project. And then uh, Steve Wright from the Great Kin Band, the bass player from the Great Kin Band, Kin Band, who wrote, uh, co-wrote uh, Jeopardy and the other uh, songs that they had success with. And, and so, um, and then we had a singer named Kate, Keith England who sounded like, uh, still does, sounds like uh, Rod Stewart. So uh, that, and and so you have different writers and different uh, different uh, musicians on, on on those. So those are uh, two albums minimum there. And I had I might have had three albums with with, uh, with uh, what I had with Steve Wright. He and Steve Wright and I were the, the writers in that. So uh, yeah, once I you know. Magic Window hopefully will get on the on the play on the playlist and get airplay, and hopefully get have success. And once that has run its course, then I'm going to put out one of the others uh, that I mentioned to you, either the one with Bobby Whitlock uh, and, and uh, uh, that that project, or the one with Steve Wright and that project. So I've got that, and then I have another album uh, of, of songs with me as the. the, the lead singer and, and name writer and on that I don't have too many co-writes I, I wrote most of that uh, stuff myself so um, uh, I'll just pick a band and, uh, uh, and actually I, 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 it is it's, it, I, it is recorded so, but if I, I if I do I go into writing some more stuff then I'll have to come up with uh, a new group of guys to record with but that's you know that's down the line. First things first, never bite off more than you can chew. And right now, and stay focused on what it is that you're doing. And mm-hmm. it has to be stuff that you're passionate about. Otherwise, it's 
you know, that you're, you're kind of wasting wasting time. And so I'm passionate about uh, music in general, and then if, if I'm the writer on it or, or a co-writer, and, and, you know, so it's just, it's a part of it becomes part of you. It's like your, your kids. Right. <laughs> only only they don't talk back. So. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, that's, so that, that, what I have in, in store is, is, is probably lasts me the rest of my my life. I'm 75 years old, and with this uh, virus out there, uh, I have some pre-existing uh, conditions. So you, you know, you know, you never know. You might not be around in, in a month. It's a pretty weird time out there. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm just, I'm doing all the things that you can do. Wear your mask. Well, Social, social distance, distance, distancing. Let's say that five times as fast as you can. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, always wash your hands. Always, you know, keep it, keep it clean. Keep your hands off your face. So we're in a pretty weird time. And uh, the, uh, music for me is medicine. And, and uh, um, uh, so, you know, right now, uh, Magic Window has a lot of songs and a lot of love songs uh, and a lot of positive uh, messages. Uh, and uh, uh, so that's uh, part of you know me doing what I can to fight fight off this this pandemic and, and uh, throwing some, some music medicine out there. Yeah, like, make take somebody listens to it and go, hey, that makes me feel good. I like that, you know. And I, or that song makes me remember this or that, you know. And uh, that's 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 what music's for for me. Right. Put some love out in the world. I like that. That's good stuff. All right, man. Well, those are all the questions I got for you. Um, if people want to connect with you, what, what, what's the best way to do that? Uh, your, your your website? Yeah, my website would be the best, best uh, thing. Uh, okay. I believe on uh, Facebook, you probably catch me there. Right. But, uh, just uh, to let you know, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but my nickname is Cosmo. Right. And... Uh, that's the, the Cosmos Factory album, which was our biggest, most successful album, was named after me uh, because I was sort of the, the guy that would always love to tell stories and uh, practical jokes and things like that. I like to have fun. Uh, John Fogarty is a little more introverted, and uh, uh, and uh, so he so got me into to uh, the, the facility and uh, said, I, I'm going to name this thing after you and call it Cosmos Factory because I, I want to get the press off my back and if I name it after you, they're going to all be asking you questions. Why Why they name it after you and so on and so forth. So this is before the internet. So I, right. I, could, I could go to one city and tell them uh, one story. <laughs> Go to another city and tell them a completely different story. Right. I had so much fun with it. It was, you know, yeah, so it worked. I kept, I got, to, got kept the press off of, off of his back, and uh, I got to be able to brag you know, that our best-selling record was named after me. So, yeah, that's <laughs> you got to have fun in this world. Absolutely. Yeah, that it, it blew my mind when I went back to it. How many hits are on that album? It, it's incredible. It's a great record. Well. What, what happened is we had double-sided hits. In other words, we put a song, a record out, and uh, there would be two songs, two different songs on it. 
but they would both chart at the same time. That's rare. Uh, not too many people have been able to do that. I can tell you who. Elvis Presley was able to do that. The Beatles were able to do that. Rolling Stones were able to do that. Queen's Clearwater Revival uh, was able to do that. We had uh, all those singles were double-sided singles on that album. Hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. It was it was kind of the soundtrack of my uh, my childhood. My my dad and my mom were both huge fans of you guys, and so those songs are just oh, ingrained in me. Well, you know, we now we have three, at least three three different generations of bands, and that in a pop medium, that's the ultimate test. You know, the test of time, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got them out there. We have more young fans than older fans right now, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's not going to change. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, you know it's it's uh, it's uh, just uh, sh- I, I shake my head and thank my lucky stars every day to, to to think that we've been able to affect so many people's lives in a positive way around the world. Right, and um, that's a big one for me. Uh, you know, I, I know that what it's like to have a dream, and but the the, the key to a dream is you have to work. The dream you, having a dream is great, but if you just say I have this dream, and you you know and you, you, you sit there and expect it to come sit on your lap, it ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You know you gotta first of all be passionate about it. If that passion doesn't drive you to work on it, then you really don't have 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 a dream. Mm-hmm. So you know you gotta work work on on it. And it took us ten years before we had our first hit record. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started when we were thirteen and. And uh, when we were 23, uh, Susie Q was uh, became our, you know, our first hit. So huh. you got to stick with it and, uh, and believe. You got to believe in it. Right. And uh, that's that's kind of the, my my advice to, to people. There's dreams all over the place. There are millions, billions of dreams to be out there floating around. But if you want one, you have to get it, grab it, and nurture it. Uh, and uh, that's the secret. Right. It's a great message. All right, man. Well, thanks for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, Will. <laughs>